Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. We are in a series going through four songs that we're saying before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. And we're on week three. And um, today we're, we're gonna be looking at the song that was saying right after Jesus was born. And it's a, it's a very humble kind of song, right? And I don't know about you, I love humble beginning stories, right? I love hearing like professional athletes or, or pastors who came from nothing, right? Like poverty stricken, um, you know, had, had hard tragedy things happened to them and then God just blessed them with the opportunity they took it and and grew up and, and and were successful and made a huge impact in whatever field that they were a part of I love those kind of stories right um, I don't know why they're just relatable and and I, I like the underdog kind of story and what we're gonna see today is that's literally how you can summarize Jesus's birth it was this very humble beginning story however inside this humble story he not just is the main character but he looks at other people and gives them big roles to play who are also from very humble beginnings. And so I'm, I'm really excited to jump into this scripture. I want us to pray and then we're going to get into Luke chapter two, because what we're going to see at the end of this is that you and I have a role in the story of Christmas that we actually have a big role, um, even though we don't deserve it, we have a role and how we respond to that really matters. And so let's pray and we're gonna dig into the scripture. Y'all pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We're thankful for um, just being able to come and worship together and, um, and, and, and partake in the Lord's Supper after this, Lord. And um, we're just thankful. And God, I pray that as we look into your scripture that you would help us to really focus in on um, you and Lord, that you would give us um, opportunity to to respond to whatever it is that you are calling us to respond with God um, I pray that you would be with us that you would move and do what only you can do and draw us in uh, we pray this in your name Jesus everybody said Amen, amen. Let me give you some context. In Luke chapter two, uh, we're seeing the actual birth of Jesus take place, right? We've been, um, in the past two weeks, I've been talking about what's happened before. Now we're gonna see Jesus um, be born. Mary and Joseph had a crazy year of engagement, right? She didn't have a normal pregnancy kind of story. Remember, Mary was this young virgin girl who was visited by an angel um, who said, hey, God has chosen you. You're gonna conceive, you're gonna give birth to a boy and that boy will be the Savior of the world. You will name him Jesus. And remember, Mary is from Nazareth, right? A, a ghetto desert town and, and wasn't special by any means. And yet God chose her and she simply just said yes. She surrendered to God's will. Nine months later, um, the world would experience um, the most humble beginning birth story of all time. And so let's, let's look at what Luke's doing. Luke is painting this amazing picture that we shouldn't just blow past. It's really easy to get into the Christmas season, talk about Jesus' birth and kind of get nostalgia and, and kind of zone out. Let's not do that today because Luke does something super um, um, impactful if we give it our attention. Right, because Jesus was actually born in a very aggressive, very oppressive type of culture. Right, so his story um, is actually amazing. It has a lot to do with us today. So look at Luke 2, 1 and 2 um, to give us a little bit of context of what's happening. 
And verse one and two says this, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place with Cornelius was governing Syria. So here's what's happening. Well, we, we, we get from Luke, um, who was running the Roman empire. His name was Caesar Augustus. And what we know about him is this is a violent kind of man right? Very power hungry. He was oppressive specifically towards Jews. And, and his goal as the, the ruler of the Roman empire was to make sure that everyone knew he had the power, that he had all the glory, that he was the man in charge. What do we know about him? He was the great nephew of Julius Caesar and was literally known as um, someone who from noble birth desired, was power hungry, like from a kid to he finally became the ruler, he wanted all the power. He was an evil man. He literally was the first Caesar, right? First Roman ruler to call himself Augustus, which is translated into the Holy One. This is what he thought of himself, right? He, was call, he called himself the Holy One or highly revered one. And what's crazy is, is this, this term was only used by Romans to, to describe a God, okay? So he calls himself, he's calling himself a God, a man full of, a man from noble birth, wealth, right? Opportunity, grows up with power, um, hunger for, to be feared, to be praised, right? Calls himself holy, why? Because he wants people to worship him. At one point, this is how he, um, how he ruled. He would look at any village near his empire that wasn't in, under his, his control, and he would fully go in and attack them. I'm talking small villages, small towns. He would go in, take them over. And then at one point, he says, hey, look around. No one is going to try me. So he declares world peace. Right? And in this temple for, that he created in a room called the war room, he puts a shrine up of himself that says, peace from Augustus. Okay, this is the kind of man. And it's what he's trying to show everyone is that he is that guy. Remember, noble birth, wealth, opportunity, wants to be worshiped, wants to be God wants to be the one that everyone looks to. And this is the context in which Jesus was born, right? He, he, he throws out this registration to number how many people he's, he's over. And here's what's funny. Everything that Caesar Augustus was trying to do, right? He, as he's, he's trying to, to, to show his power, he, he wanted to rule. He wanted everyone to know he was the main guy that everyone should worship. In reality, God was working his plan out the whole time. So even as he declares a, a registration, hey, everyone go home, we're going to count everyone in my kingdom, God would be using that to fulfill what he had already promised, not a fake savior, not fake peace, but the true savior and world peace, right? And so look at what happens. Look at verse four through seven. Um, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family line of David. Let's pause for a minute. That's fulfilling scripture, right? We talked about this for the past couple of weeks, that God promised a Messiah, a Savior, that would come from King David's lineage, that would come from Bethlehem. So here, here it's happening. It's happening right here in front of everyone's eyes. Look at verse 5 to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. 
So get a big picture here. We got nine months pregnant Mary and they're waddling her way all the way to Bethlehem. Okay, and here's what takes place. Verse six, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Here's, here's the cool way that God works. His plan uh, will, will always be worked out. Like you, you just need to trust in that. That when our plans fail, God's plan will always be worked out. In Augustus's mind, he's making everyone go back to be registered so that he can prove that he is powerful. And yet what God is doing is as Joseph and Mary go back to Bethlehem, he's actually showing how powerful he really is. Here's how in Micah 5, 2, he, he promised this. Thousands or hundreds of years before this took place, he promised this. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little, right? You, Bethlehem, are too humble, too little among the other clans of Judah. You, from you shall come forth the one who is to be ruler in Israel, who is coming forth, is from old, from ancient days. So as Augustus is trying to flex his power, God's going, hey, dude, listen, let me show you what really real power looks like. And so Luke mentions this and how much bigger God is than us, how much bigger God is than, than humanity and our plans that we try to like muster up. God is bigger than those things. Now let's look at um, how, how Luke shows us this humble beginning, this big powerful plan comes from humble beginning. Look at verse six and seven. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her first son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available. All right, this is the, the context and this is the scene in which our savior is born, right? They traveled a long way, right? Ladies who have been blessed to give birth like nine months of being pregnant, almost ready to give birth. Can you imagine waddling hundreds of miles to get to Bethlehem only to find out there's nowhere for you to sit down? It's not a good context, right? And, and, the, and what do we know from Bethlehem is, is that the, the inn that they would be at would look pretty much like a little bit bigger than this room. And if we along the walls made little, little like cubicles almost, like work cubicles, that's what the rooms would be like. Just a little cubicle along these walls. And in the middle of those cubicles would be a courtyard where animals, like if you came with your donkey, you would tie your animal up in the courtyard, right? You got donkey you got lambs, you got sheep. That's where they would be. So here comes Mary and Joseph. I want you to see this picture and don't blow past this because it's super important that we understand that Mary and Joseph comes in. She's ready to give birth and all those rooms, those little cubicles are full. Here's what that tells us. No one in those rooms, in those, in those cubicles cared about Mary. They, they see her obviously pregnant, see her ready to give birth. And yet, no one made room for her. The, the, the innkeepers, their role was not customer service, right? Like, there's no, like, breakfast in the morning, like, hey, do you need new sheets? None of that. Their job was to make sure there was fire to cook and for the, and for the animals to stay warm. That's it. So our Savior is being born in the middle of, of people who don't even care surrounded by animals and like you can smell that scene right where like that's where they're at so there's it's just filth and it's dark and it's cold 
right? Men like Joseph, you know his, his mind because men, we just want to fix everything. So his mind's just going crazy. And yet this is where God chose to send his son to be born. And he's born and they're alone. And yet that's when peace enters the world. And what's awesome is, you know, we look at the, like, the manger scene, right? You see, like, like nativity, nativity scenes. Um, in reality, that's not what that looks like. Because in reality, they, they're born in the, she, he's born in the middle of the courtyard. Joseph looks around, and he finds a feeding trough. And he cleans it out the best he can. They wrap Jesus up, hoping that he'll stay warm, and they lay him there to rest. Like, capture this moment. It's not just, oh, it's Christmas. He's the reason for the season. This is the humble beginning of our Savior, of our Lord, of our King, God in the flesh, creator of the universe, King of kings, Lord of lords, born in a vile, disgusting, unsanitary, unsanitary cold courtyard where he would spend his first moments of life cold and dirty. This is our Savior, the Son of God born into the world, not as a prince, not from noble beginnings, not of wealth, not in a mansion, right? This is where Christianity began and where it always begins, with full acceptance that we model after our Savior, that we come from nothing, that unlike him, we are dirty, sinful, broken people. And but Jesus' birth, we relate to it because he comes from nothing and yet he is everything for anyone who would surrender to him. That because of his lowly beginning, his lowly birth, he's not here to save those who are righteous. He's not here to save those who are wealthy, who got it all together. And now if he was born of nobility, if he was born in wealth and he was born in a mansion, then yes, he's only coming from those who are wealthy and, and, and privileged. But he didn't. He came um, dirty. He came poor. He came humble. Therefore, he's here to save those who would humble themselves that we don't have to clean ourselves up, that we acknowledge, man, I'm from the courtyard spiritually, that I, that I am dirty spiritually, and Jesus, I need you to save me. This is why it's important that we dig into his birth story, that every Christmas we're reminded and we should praise him, that may he put on flesh to save us. And here's what happens next. I love this, this next story, right? As God chooses low beginnings, lowly people to do big things. Look at verse eight and nine. It says that in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. So once again, God is choosing to use those who were not special by any means. Right? He's choosing to use people who are not special by any means to do something amazing and for his glory. Right? These shepherds, let me just give you some context. Shepherds had a bad reputation. Right? They, they were not someone that you just went and hung out with. 
right? Matter of fact, in those days, that context, the, the shepherds were like low men on the totem pole. The only person that they were above society-wise was those who had leprosy, okay? And so like there's people that if you touch them, you get a sickness and then shepherds, right? And sometimes people would rather hang out with the lepers, right? Because the shepherds, their, their reputation was, man, you can't trust them. They're vile, right? They're, they'll, they'll, they'll beat you up. They'll steal from you. Even in the court of law, they were not allowed to give testimony. Like no one trusted them. Man, then take it a step further. These shepherds had the night shift, right? That's as bad as you can get, right? They're like the ones that like, they're not even, hey, like you're too bad for the day shift. You're going to the nighttime. And yet God looks at them and says, man, watch me do something amazing in your life right now. And then all of a sudden, these shepherds, in the middle of darkness, an angel shows up. Light shines around them. And I want you to see what God does next. Look at verse 10 and 12. 10, 11, 12. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you, I want you to underline this if you have your Bible, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news for, of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth laying in a manger. Here's what's amazing. These shepherds are the first to hear the gospel, the good news, not just any news, but the good news that of great joy that is for all people. The good news that the Messiah, the Lord was born. And here's the deal, on this side of the story, we, we are familiar with this. This isn't brand new news to us. Like we know this story, but if we're, that, that's why we have to slow down and actually read this story. Because that good news can only be true if Jesus did what God claimed he was going to do. That good news of great joy for all people can only happen if Jesus uh, um, have, uh, went through something that's called incarnation, right? In other words, God putting on flesh, right? Incarnation is this theological term that describes God putting on flesh. So the only way that we have the gospel, the only way we have salvation, the only way we can be forgiven and redeemed and set free is because of Jesus doing what God said he was going to do. That's it. Because Jesus being fully God and fully man is the only way we can have salvation. Because of Jesus taking on our nature, but without sinning, are we able to be saved from our sins? Because of Jesus living perfect and dying as a sacrifice on the cross, which we're gonna celebrate here in a little bit, is the only way we can be forgiven of our sin. So the good news is that whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, the good news is that he is fully able to deliver you. That there's not a part of Jesus that can't be your savior. That there's no sin in your life so, so bad that, that Jesus can't cover it. That no matter what you're facing, God is bigger than that thing. Why? Because Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what God claims that he can do. 
the angel declares, this is good news and it's for all the people. So no matter what you've done or found yourself in, he is able to pull and deliver you. He's able to save and make you brand new. I mean, that should, that should cause us to shout and sing and, and to praise and to worship. And that's literally what happens next. Look at verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Right, think about this moment for these three undeserving, gross, like outcast of shepherds getting to see now a host, not 50, not a thousand, a host, unnumerable amounts of angels forming a choir, now singing to God, right? Can you imagine, like, I'm not good at singing, but man, when, when worship's going and I just, like, it's, I just want to sing loud, can you imagine that moment? For these shepherds, they're, they're seeing this, they're hearing the good news, and these angels are glorifying God. Like, I couldn't imagine the emotions that were running through these men. And what's amazing is that these shepherds and, and you and I, we have a huge role in the song that these angels were singing. Here, here's what's awesome about the song. The, the angels' roles were to sing glory to God, to sing about the peace that he, wanted, he was wanting to extend to the world. Here's our role. Our role is to receive that gift of peace and then extend it to those around us. That we receive the gift that Jesus, that God is trying to give us through the birth of his son. We receive that and then we take it to those around us. I, I love, I read this week in my, my commentary, it says, God became a man, not an angel. God redeemed us, not angels. Ours is the best part of the song. We praise God for his glory and for the peace that we receive through Jesus. And then we share that and then sing that for all eternity. These angels, they sang glory up to God and peace to man. And then we have that same calling. Our call, our role is to live a life that brings God glory. And then we share what we know about Jesus to those around us. That is the part that we play in this song. It's our mission. If you are a Christian, someone who has a relationship with Jesus, this is what your role in life is. This is your purpose. And these shepherds, they model it perfectly. These broken outcasts of men do this perfectly. Look at how they do it. Look at verse 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported to the message, they reported the message um, they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds and said to them, that was, uh, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they have seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Right? These men, they take off sprinting to Jesus. They make a straight line straight to Bethlehem. They could not wait to see this baby that the angels just sang about. 
And they get there, they're looking, they see Mary, they see Joseph, they see the dirtiness of the courtyard, the animals, they smell everything, right? And they're looking for the savior. They're looking for the baby that was going to bring peace. And there he is laying in a feeding trough, wrapped up, and they just begin to worship. They begin to worship and praise God that what God said and promised is happening in front of them. And then what do they do next? They play their role. Remember, every single person in that inn that would not make room for Mary and Joseph, a full inn, a full house, these shepherds say, come out here. We need to tell you about the good news. We need to tell you that there is now not fake peace from Caesar Augustus, but real peace. Not fake salvation from a, a hungry, a power hungry emperor, but real salvation that will save us from hell. Let us tell you what we just learned about this baby Jesus. This whole time, God was just working out his plan and choosing un, like, like people who didn't deserve it, just common people like Mary and Joseph and now these shepherds, calling them to a huge role in this story. Them just saying yes and God using them to do big things. These were the first real gospel missionaries that we see, shepherds. And what do they do? Share the good news right there in that courtyard. And they went home to tell everyone they knew. They went back changed, praising God and letting people know the Savior of the world is here. And here's the deal. It's not simply just enough to know Jesus, right? It's not simply enough just to know about Jesus. We, we have to move past knowing about Jesus and knowing him personally. Just because you know about Jesus does not save you from your sin, right? It, 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 it's, it's one thing for them, the, the shepherds, they could have came in, looked for Jesus and peeked in and go, oh, there's the baby, he's cute, let's take a selfie, post it. All right, you guys, anything good, we're out of here, right? And yet that's how we sometimes treat Jesus where we poke our head in on Sunday mornings in a small group, we, we poke our head in, we, we say hi, we sing a song, we hear a message, and then we leave. And then we, we go about our life. Like, like Jesus isn't our king, like Jesus hasn't commanded us to, to be on mission for him. We poke our head in and, and we see that Jesus was born and we go, man, praise God, we're out of here. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem in a dirty feeding trough a thousand times, but if he's never born inside of you, you are not saved from your sins. If you don't know him personally, you can know all the Bible that you want, but if you've never repented and surrendered to him as king, the Lord, the boss over your life, man, you're missing the main point. Jesus is savior, he's nothing. Jesus is Lord of your life or he's nothing. There is no middle ground. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The baby who was born from humble beginning would put on flesh, would live in flesh, would die in flesh, would be resurrected. Now he's seated on the right hand of God the Father in heaven and one day he will come back and he will make all things right again. 
This is who we worship. And in this moment, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he is the only way to true peace and true salvation. And so how do we respond to this, right? How, how do we respond to the way that these angels were singing? How do we respond to, to this, um, this, this humble beginning, this birth? How do we respond to this? So the first thing, if you are a Christian in here, right? The first way to respond is like taking an examination. Are, how are you leveraging your life to do what the angels and these shepherds did? Bring him glory and to share the gospel. How are you leveraging everything that you have? How are you le leveraging your family, your marriage? How are you leveraging your time, your career, your finances, your home, your, your vehicles? Your, how are you leveraging your life, everything that God's blessed you with, your talents, your, your everything? How are you leveraging your life to play your role in bringing God glory and sharing the gospel? We have to examine ourselves. Are we doing that? And if not, listen, I get it. Right? Life is hard and we're busy, but we can't blow past this main point that Jesus died to save you and then send you on a mission. So how do we respond? We respond in repentance and obedience where we acknowledge, Lord, I want to live for you. I I'm not gonna let three shepherds who, who, who are like, Low man on the totem pole, out mission me. Can I tell you something real? Say yes. I'm gonna tell you anyways. Here's what's real, okay? You, if you, everyone in this room right now, like literally every single one of you, young people, like everyone in this room, you are more qualified in sharing the gospel than those shepherds were. Everyone in this room, you know more about, the, about Jesus, about the Bible, about the gospel. You know a hundred times more than those shepherds. Like you are overqualified if we stood you next to those men. And what did they do? They just took what they knew, which wasn't a lot, and they ran to tell people. You and I, on the other hand, we know a lot. Even if you're like, dude, I don't know a lot. You know more than they did. We know more. We have a lot. What are we doing with that? What are you doing with what you know to be true? What are you doing with it? So how do we respond? We respond in repentance and begging God, God, give me boldness, give me opportunity to use my life as leverage to bring you glory and to share the gospel with those around me. That's how we first respond. The, the second way we respond, how do we respond to this is we obey and surrender. Just like Mary, when God called her, she just said, yes, your will be done. These shepherds, they, did, they didn't walk to Bethlehem, they sprinted to Bethlehem. So how do we respond? We respond in obedience and surrender. Maybe today you, you, you realize I, I have, I, I know about Jesus. I've gone to church my whole life, but you said this word surrender. You said this word king and boss of my life. I don't think I have that. Well, listen to me. That's your first step today is to fully surrender. Stop playing a game with Jesus. Stop just knowing about him and know him personally. That is why he came to die so that you could know him personally. 
And so maybe today is a day that you finally surrender your life to Jesus, that you make him the Lord, the boss, the king of your life. And the last thing, how do we respond? Remember the context. That, that culture, the people living in that day and age, they had a culture telling them that true peace and true salvation was in something other than Jesus. And so we have to respond to that. Are, is there areas in my life that I, I need peace or I need joy or, or healing, that I'm relying on other things other than Jesus? If that's true, right, then I need to repent of that. And I need to kneel before the Lord and say, Jesus, here's the area in my life that I'm, I'm struggling to trust you in, but I'm going to today. Help me trust you in this area. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.